It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. football podcast wide receiver review edition i'm your host ian hart it's happy freaking friday whatever day it might be that you're listening to this hope you guys enjoyed some of those crazy pro bowl events already got the rant off my chest about tyler huntley as everyone else has in you know the media world if you will so yeah bigger better things to talk about specifically today as we've been doing with this little series i've gone back looked at a lot of the just big picture questions I have about the wide receiver position after an always entertaining 2022 fantasy football year. So have a lot of what I'm talking about up on an article on pff.com, as you guys know. So if you miss anything, want to see these charts I'm talking about, go ahead, head over there and check them out to your heart's desire. So without further ado, guys, yeah, let's talk some wide receivers because remember the real trendy, the draft strategies, zero RB, hero RB, my least favorite one, not in terms of usage, but I just hate the freaking name, modified, zero RB. All of these strategies are based around the idea that the wide receiver position is going to be easier to identify big-time talents in the early and middle rounds as opposed to later. So that sounds great. You draft a lot of really good wide receivers early. Maybe you anchor them down to one RB. Maybe you get Travis Kelsey, and you can attack the other positions later. So far with running back, we have found that I believe it was an average of 2.2 running backs per season end up as top 12 scorers in terms of PPR points per game, despite not even having an ADP inside the position's top 24. At wide receiver, you see far less examples of guys, or I should say we should see far less examples of guys having that, you know, real low ADP, then all of a sudden booming up the top of the fantasy ranks when everything is said and done. So these are some of the things we're going to be trying to answer today. Question number one, is wide receiver fantasy scoring largely better than ever? Question number two, are the league's best wide receivers getting more volume than ever? Question number three, have certain offenses consistently fed their wide receivers more fantasy-friendly volume than others in recent history? Question number four, how well is the fantasy industry identifying the top wide receivers based on preseason ADP? And question number five, what sort of archetype is optimal for late round wide receivers? As always, thank you to Fantasy Pros for the historical ADP data. I'm talking about full PPR scoring. Okay, I've had some of you complain, not complain, offer a suggestion to the podcast, which I always appreciate, even if it could possibly be called a complaint. But I know how PPR, that's my favorite 
you know, personally, I don't think a catch should be rewarded one entire point equivalent to 10 receiving or rushing yards. It's insane to me. But to my knowledge, the base in the industry and just the most leagues that people normally use are full PPR. So I'm going to continue to roll with that as the default. And also ranks are going to be on a per game basis with a minimum of eight games played. So I don't want to just make this a study of who was actually healthy enough to rack up, you know, 16, 17 games played. That's his question and a story for another day. So kicking things off again. Again, guys, question number one is wide receiver fantasy scoring largely better than ever? Answer is no. It's not, it's not terrible, but really we saw the peak in those prime AB Julio Jones years. I mean, 2013, 2014, and 2015, the average PPR points per game from the top 12 players at the position, 18.9, 19.6, and 19.9. We haven't seen wide receivers crack that 19 mark since 2018. So has it been terrible? Has it been a consistent trend? I mean, again, balling out in the earlier part of the 2010s, fell off a bit in 2016, 2017 before, but we've, again, seen it kind of settle in the middle over these past three years. Same thing goes for the top 24. So my initial thought upon seeing this, because again, it was weird to me because quarterback scoring, as we talked about, is on the up and up. It is doing better than ever. So if wide receiver scoring isn't doing better than ever, maybe that means, you know, we're having more production flowing through the running back and tight end positions than in the past. That would make sense, but it's really not the case. I mean, this last season, we'll talk a little bit more about tight ends uh, next week, but second lowest worst season from the top 12 tight ends in terms of their average PPR points per game over the past 10 years and our running back on these last three years have been a downward trend as well. So why do you see running back and tight end scoring alike? Not exactly booming. Very interesting. That quarterback scoring is booming. And I think that again, guys tells you a lot about the impact of dual threat quarterbacks, which are becoming more and more frequent in the NFL. It's awesome for them. A lot of times it's awesome for their real life team. I mean, look at the freaking quarterbacks we've seen have a bunch of success this, success this year, you know, both real life and fantasy. It's not good for the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends of those offenses because, again, we're seeing teams a lot of times when you have the rushing quarterback, you do lean a little more run heavy. And let's face it, when you're leaning more run heavy and you have an extra player and the quarterback factoring in that rushing pie than usual, it just gets tough for these, again, skill position weapons outside of the quarterback to make a bunch of hay in fantasy land. So takes us to our second question. Are the league's best wide receivers getting more volume than ever? Answer is no. And I think this more than anything, because again, the wide receivers aren't quite scoring as much. We've established that running backs and tight ends aren't scoring as much either. So are wide receivers, you know, falling off because they're not getting the same sort of volume? I do think there's a slight argument to be made that we're seeing auxiliary wide receivers, your twos, your threes. We're seeing things, you know, dished out a little bit more evenly because if you look at it, and I pulled over these past 10 years, Number of wide receivers per season that have X amount of targets. And I have buckets of 100, 125, and 150. And once again, the heyday for just alpha target hog wide receivers, breezing past 150 targets, took more. You know, we have more of these frequent players in the earlier part of the 2010. So number of players from 2013 to 2016 with at least 150 targets, specifically wide receivers, we had 10, 4, 8, and 9. I mean, six years since, guys, we only have one year over six. So last year, we did have five. The year before that, we had eight. Those are in 17 game seasons. In 2020, only three players have more than 150 targets. So I know this one is a little bit more, you know, into the injury type of thing, who is healthy enough to be active long enough to have all these targets. But again, it's just surprising to me that passing league 
offenses, maybe not as much this year, but generally, you know, offensive success, particularly passing the ball has been at all time high efficiency levels in recent modern, you know, football and the wide receiver position in terms of their fantasy scoring, in terms of the number of players with super high end target totals aren't exactly what they were even 10 years ago. So again, not brutal, similar to the scoring. It's not like we're seeing this as a consistent downward trend. I mean, if anything, it's kind of gone from really good to really bad and then back to somewhere in the middle. So unfortunately, so far, we don't have any massive takeaways with this just because, again, it's a situation where it's not been too big of a consistent trend. It's just kind of middling out. Let's move on and find out if certain offenses have consistently fed their wide receivers more fantasy-friendly volume than others in recent history. So answer this question for the running back group as well. And basically all we're doing, we're taking the expected PPR points per game from an entire team's wide receiver room, averaging those out for over the past three years, and also looking at the real-life scoring success in terms of their team's points per game. So again, looking for teams that are either really good on offense, but surprisingly don't have the best you know, volume for their wide receivers, and on the other side of things, teams that have been bad on offense but have fostered somehow you know, good enough offensive environments to give their wide receivers a bunch of fantasy-friendly opportunities. So first things first, Four offenses that have really given their wide receivers a ton of opportunity, despite not being all that great as real-life offenses. The Rams, just 21st in points per game over the past three seasons. That said, they have the third most expected PPR points per game allotted to their wide receivers during that stretch. Unfortunately for you A-Rob truthers out there, most of those have consistently just gone to Cooper Cup. Pittsburgh Steelers, fifth best fantasy-friendly workload for their wide receivers, 24th-ranked offense, and yeah, Deontay Johnson, all-time season, as we know, the captain of the all-sheesh team, just so close yet so far away so many freaking times. We have the Jaguars, eighth and uh, just, again, opportunity, basically score for the wide receivers, 28th-ranked offense. A little bit below them, we have the Dolphins coming at 12th in terms of opportunity, just 20th, though, in real-life PPR points. I'm sorry, real-life points per game. So with this in general, the Rams, the Steelers, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins, we're looking at offenses that like to throw the ball a lot, and that is also in some to some extent, due for the Jaguars and to a lesser extent, the Dolphins being bad teams during this stretch. Rams have been a little more competitive, but we have Sean McVay consistently showing his willingness to feed the ball to his wide receivers and even Tyler Higbee uh, sometimes. And then with Pittsburgh, a lot of this is a little bit skewed to 2020, 2021, when Ben was just at the end of his career, throwing the hell out of the ball each and every time out. So again, nothing too huge takeaways, uh, not too big of a takeaway yet. I think more interestingly is looking at the other side of things these bad wide receiver expected opportunity situations that are actually in pretty damn good offenses. And we actually have a lot of similar teams as we saw looking at this for running backs. So overall, the Ravens, the Titans, the Eagles, and the 49ers are the four teams that have been top 12 scoring offenses, but they both bottom 10 uh, just expected basically points per game combinations for their wide receiver groups with Tennessee and Baltimore. We're talking about two of the most run heavy offenses in the league with the added caveat that obviously Lamar Jackson is you know not going to be able to give as much of a, you know, fancy friendly passing game volume or opportunities as Ryan Tannehill. And then also with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, same sentiment. And with the 49ers, I mean, Kyle Shanahan does love to run the football, even though he hasn't had, you know, a healthy dual threat like Trey Lance there. So overall, Titans, I mean, you look at the Ravens and Eagles, Titans, 49ers, we're talking about literally three of the league's bottom six offenses in the highest run play rate and non-garbage time situations. The Eagles at number 22 are not too far behind. All right, guys, 
All this to say, how well is the fantasy industry identifying the top wide receivers based on preseason average draft position? Yeah, we've been good. Last year, we were actually amazing. So I looked at the top 12 scoring wide receivers in terms of their PPR points per game. And then I looked at how many of those 12 actually had top 12 average draft position back in August when these things were decided. 75% hit rate in 2022. So that means eight of, or excuse me, nine of the 12 final wide receivers to finish top 12 in PPR points per game also carried a top 12 ADP at the position back in August. Here's the thing though. It was 75% this year. And that means that we're better than ever at predicting these top 12 receivers. And we have 71% top 24. Again, these are both marks that are 10 year highs and they're tied with, you know, a couple previous years, but literally 2022 better than we've been at any point, you know, over the past 10 years in terms of predicting the top 12 and top 24 wide receivers in the preseason, which in and of itself, that makes last year a fantastic year to do zero RB because we've talked about running backs and the hit rate for these simply are not as high. I'll pull that up right now just as a quick comparison. But yeah, and that's, again, that's what it comes down to. How well can we actually be picking wide receivers, quarterbacks, running backs alike, early rounds, late rounds, and then feeling better about it. So as we talked about with quarterbacks, you know, a while ago, it was a thing where we're better than ever at predicting them. So I think that actually makes it a reasonable situation for us to actually feel okay about taking quarterbacks early because we've consistently been better at getting them. At running back, we would want to see the opposite, a bunch of situations where, no, we are not actively identifying the best running backs. And that's kind of been the case. Top 12 running backs, 58% this year. Again, top 12 wide receivers, 75%, both 71% for the top 24. Here's the thing, though. At running back, the past two years, before 2022, 67% and 50% hit rates. At wide receiver, 42% and 33% hit rates. So in 2020 and 2021, we were actually far worse at identifying the top wide receivers relative to what we were at running back, which is backwards logic compared to what you would hope to see with, again, these zero RB mindsets. So. 2022 was the right year for zero RB, but there's not a consistent trend with the wide receiver scoring to necessarily suggest that 2023 is going to be more like 2022 than 2021 or 2020 when things, again, were rather brutal. So I will say what's interesting is as bad as 2020 and 2021 were for the top 12 wide receivers, the top 24 have stabilized a little bit. And that's going to take us to our last kind of point here. What sort of archetype is optimal for late round wide receivers? Because guys, really not many late, late guys that we've seen find any sort of high-end success. And to me, this is the biggest takeaway of the podcast and the study I was looking at. Wide receivers past the top 36, you know, we are not finding guys nearly as often as we are at running back in these other positions, especially once you start looking at the overall, you know, outside of top 100 picks. So much harder to find wide receivers late in drafts that are going to rise up to be truly elite, elite fantasy performers. And look, if you get a guy wide receiver 50 and he ends up working as a wide receiver 20, like that's a huge win. But in terms of, again, finding those top 12 guys with an ADP outside the top 36 players at the position, few and far in between. So 2014, we had Odell Beckham, really didn't even have a draftable ADP, at least with the Fantasy Pros data I was working with. If it was out there on other sites, and we're talking outside the top 50, finishes as the wide receiver one in PPR points per game. We had 2016 Michael Thomas, 2013 Alshon Jeffrey, 2020 Justin Jefferson, 2017 Adam Thielen, and 2016 Devontae Adams. 
also qualify as this finishing as a top 12 wide receiver ADP outside the top 36. And with those guys, I mean, again, it's six players over 10 years. It's tough to have too many huge takeaways because we're talking about only 0.6 players per year that are even pulling this off. So OBJ, Michael Thomas, Alshon Jeffrey, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Devontae Adams. Hey, hat tip to Kirk Cousins for enabling, you know, two of the guys on this list. But in general, I think it's a good reminder looking specifically rookie year OBJ, Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, and even guys like, you know, Thielen's such a weird exception, but having Devontae Adams there and Alshon Jeffrey, who maybe didn't boom immediately the way we were hoping for, but still had, you know, that higher end draft capital to their name and a competent enough quarterback. My main takeaway with these guys is basically coming down to when we see some of these top first round wide receivers, especially first round wide receivers that aren't getting the same sort of respect in fantasy land. Let's not overthink it, guys. And one of those big wins that I think we had last year, and they didn't finish quite this high, but Chris Alave, Jahan Dotson, I mean, two of the main targets we had all preseason. Unfortunately, Dotson's injuries prevented him from, you know, booming up too high. We're talking about a guy that was going like outside the top 60 wide receivers for large portions of the offseason, particularly in best ball land. Chris Alave was consistently treated as a low M wide receiver four. And again, just at some point when we're talking about wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives, let's go ahead and just throw a dart at the draft capital. Because again, out of the few hits we have had, it's been rookies that were drafted really high for a reason. And maybe all of us, you know, armchair scouts and stuff in the fantasy industry just didn't quite get as right as we should have. So that's going to wrap up the main takeaways here to recap top five takeaways that again, I don't think are quite as actionable as what we saw with running back or even quarterback, but Hey, we got to try to check these boxes, you know, get through these positions, watch the film and get better. So takeaway number one, wide receiver fantasy scoring has been lagging a bit in recent years, but again, it's not a consistent trend, not something that I think we should necessarily expect to persist or not to persist in the 2023 and beyond. Question number or takeaway number two, there aren't as many alpha target hog wide receivers these days compared to what was going on in the early 2010s. This one is a little bit more concerning, but again, there have been a handful of guys still getting that volume. I mean, Cooper Cup, Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, all those sorts. And it just comes down to, hey, maybe there's not going to be eight to 10 teams doing that, but the three to five teams we still do have out there. Takeaway number three, Rams, Steelers, Jaguars, and Dolphins stand out as bad offensive with fantasy-friendly wide receiver volume. On the other side of things, 49ers, Eagles, Ravens, and Titans have struggled to enable the position despite regularly putting up big-time points on the scoreboard. Takeaway number four, fantasy industry nailed the wide receiver position in 2022 in terms of predicting top 12 and even top 24 wide receivers in the preseason ADP. Again, though, like the scoring, even like the target hog wide receivers, it's just not a trend that I'm necessarily convinced is going to continue because this hasn't been a even three, four, five year sort of consistent one way moving trend. It's been a situation where it was a lot better in the earlier 2010s. Then things got worse and now they're actually getting a little bit better. Are they going to stay middle go down go up we got about six seven more months to try to answer those questions a little bit more clearly takeaway number five though elite late round wide receivers have been almost impossible to come by that said cheap day one or day two options in good offenses should not be ignored so before we get out of here guys i do want to give a shout out to some of our absolutely lovely sponsors out there first and foremost our friends over at DraftKings. 
Are you ready for the biggest Sunday in sports? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get on the Super Bowl 57 exciting with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern to see what prop bet will be boosted. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code PFF. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. Also, the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. Are you focused on your roster moves? Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, plan to start family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, guys, that is going to wrap it up. Appreciate the patience, the love, engagement, listening, whatever the hell you want to say about it. Again, long offseason ahead when we have free agency, combine, draft, you know, a bunch of other stuff in May, June, July, anything else you want to look for. And believe you me, we'll be covering all that nice and nice and gritty. But yeah, just seeing the you know situation where I want to go, take a step back, try to look at these positions and get some bigger picture takeaways before we actually go dive into the rest. Because again, plenty of time to get after that. I will say, you know, I'm looking forward to next week, really taking the chance to have all of these positions done. Because I know going through, you know, five different parts of the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, one after another, you know, you might be forgetting a few details here and there, but I will be sure to go out there on Twitter. I'm really, especially really excited to have you know more of those charts i sent one out about just the again ppr points per game by position showing that quarterback's the only position that has actually been trending upward in recent years the one i'm really excited about doing is that for basically again how accurate we've been at predicting the top 12 because as we talked about wide receiver but a lot more finicky running back not maybe quite as bad as some people would expect meanwhile quarterback has actually been easier than ever to predict i'm guessing but i haven't crunched the numbers yet tight end is going to be about the Worse. So again, all that and much more coming up here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And if you're still listening, maybe just maybe some big news on the way too here in the next week or two. So keeping on, keeping on, going to a Bad Fish concert tonight. Great day to be great. That's all I got. So thank you guys again for listening to another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.